speaking of things you hear in the movie, what about the music? There's that there's that one scene during the art installation when they first show up that's clearly got like a Marilyn Manson track oh, playing yeah. in the background. Something like uh, that. I couldn't quite put it together. I was trying to hear it. I thought everything was appropriate. And you know what? I'm going to have to... I hate to spoil a potential, the other movie we're going to watch, but I guess it's really not a spoiler, but it might be. I can't recall with this movie at the very beginning, or if it was My Bloody Valentine 3D, if it had a similar track to Halloween. Like for a minute, I thought that John Carpenter had did a piano intro. I don't know if you recall. I don't really recall that scene, but like it did have like a little short burst of orchestral something right before it, like you know, got into the movie proper and then started playing like the late nineties, early two yes. thousands pop music. Okay, or so it was this movie. What's that? It was this movie. My, uh, it was Valentine. Um. I well, no. I I think my bloody Valentine. Okay, had what never you were mind. looking for. Okay, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know that this one had one too because it did have like a no a splash screen, but I I don't remember. Only on one that. of them had it, so I couldn't remember which one it was. So it that was, was definitely, the- and I, we'll get into that because there's actually a, a, something that I've got a note about when it comes to my bloody Valentine 3D or 2009. Yeah. Uh, specifically with that, what you're talking about. But anyways, yeah. um, anyways, that's the only thing music wise. I really thought music was appropriate. I thought that the intense music orchestra that would show or to kind of, uh, you know, um, bring upon like suspense, anything like that. I thought that it was appropriate. I don't recall anything out of place. No, there wasn't anything that stood out as being jokey or like we talked about with the Asian movies where it sounds like you're listening to yeah. a, a, like a soap opera or like some kind of like, you know, I mean, it, if it was poppy, the scene was kind of lighthearted. You know, it kind of fit whatever the, the nature of the scene was. And then they had like the sharp harpsichord style, yes. like, you know, interjections when they when they were needed. Yeah. So... Moving on to trivia. Mm-hmm. So at a cost of $10 million, this is the cheapest film to ever have a Super Bowl spot. Oh, wow. Speaking of <laughs> speaking, the Super Bowl. Speaking of, uh, that's appropriate for today since we're recording on the Super Bowl. I uh, am only partaking in the Puppy Bowl, not the Super Bowl this year. But I will watch I, the Rihanna concert probably. I don't even. I, I used to watch it for the commercials. I don't even care anymore. Oh, the commercials are the got, worst now. Yeah, they're they're awful. If um, you did not get to see '90s and 2000s, early 2000s Super Bowl commercials, you missed out on life. And go on YouTube and find them. Yes, they they were actually a highlight that people look forward to. Oh yeah. Uh, there was a lot of talk about restoring the trimmed kills and releasing a director's cut, but unfortunately, it's all been from fans and Warner Brothers. Cut. I think that's where this movie would improve. Oh yeah! Uh, if they if they showed the, the kills that were trimmed out of the movie, if they show more of the gore, this movie would go from what I, right now I'd probably give. What would you give it? Around a three, three and a half. That's what I would give it. I mean, you know, and I'd probably bump it up to a little bit higher, maybe to a four, because I, I I enjoyed the movie overall. I just mm-hmm. felt like it's a little anemic when it came to the kills. Um, I think that it's fair around a three point eight because I want to give it a four, but I don't think it deserves it because. Of the lack of of actual like gore, yeah, it I lacks think it would gore bump it up a lot. To it doesn't. Four. You don't need to have complete gore, but man, show something because the kills were pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean they they had like there was a lot of just uh, brutality to the kills. If they were just like we would have seen more to them, yes. You know? 
David Boreanaz shot his entire character role in less than two weeks. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not either considering. Yeah, he had a uh, fairly small role, which probably tells us that he did not do the killer scenes. I think that he, yeah, he was definitely not the killer in that suit. Also, that makes me think that he was probably filming this while Angel was still on on the air, you know. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is funny because we we know for a fact that both Jensen and Jared were filming their respective movies, uh, you know, while they were filming Supernatural. So, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, during the original casting process, Tara Reed, who previously appeared in Jamie Blank's other film, Urban Legend, played Dorothy Wheeler, uh, but uh, ended up being Jessica Capshaw. And then Jennifer Love, huge tits, played yeah. Pre- Paige Prescott, uh, who ended up being... How would you have felt like if uh, Tara Reed and then uh, Jennifer Love, huge tits had been this movie instead of uh, uh, Denise Richards and Jessica Capshaw? Definitely Jennifer Love, huge tits. I could see that. I can't see Tara Reed because she wouldn't have brought the storyline of the fat girl to the to it very well. And she's also I, Capshaw's a better actress yes. than Tara. Yeah, like um, I said, she she had that weird. You couldn't tell if she was drunk, pissed, both fat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then like Tara Reid, I just feel like everything I ever saw her in, especially the American Pie movies, she just kind of like it was non acting. Like her and uh, the 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 other guy that uh, played the big jock that ended up like singing. I can't remember that actor's name, Chris something or other, but. Uh, they both were terrible actors back yes. in the day. Like they delivered their lines in such a flat way that I can't imagine they would have been good or she would have been good in this movie. And it's so funny because I know the Chris you're talking about. I can't remember his last name, but he's not a memorable person. So sorry, dude. He he got better. I mean, he he was in a season of The Flash and he actually played a semi-decent good role in that as a villain. But at the same time, like his acting was just so flat back in the day. Like yeah. he didn't really... Um, Jennifer Love, Love, huge tits would have been, she's a good actress, mm-hmm. a really good actress. She would have pulled the character page off, but here's the thing. I, I don't know if I would have bought her as like the, the resting fuck me, you know, uh, face like, uh, you know, like we got with Denise Richards, like Denise, I don't mean this in a creepy way. She, she had a sexuality about her, uh, you know, back in the day, like, a and I don't cute, lovable, Love, maybe, uh, What's that? She was more cute, lovable. Like, she could be sexy, but not... Yeah, she... Uh, I always think back of Jennifer Love Hewitt as being the character that she was. And, I mean, and we're, we've covered in that movie. Uh, I know what you did last summer. Not that, but in uh, Can't Hardly Wait, she was, like, the love interest of the main character in that one, Ethan Embry. Yeah. And, like, and, and, and that's what she was like. She was sweet, yeah. She was sexy in her own way, but she was a sweet kind of like girl. And like, I don't feel like Paige would have, that didn't fit for Paige. Um, the only reason I think she could have pulled it off is because I watched, uh, the, the show, the list, I want to say it was on Lifetime. Okay. And she had to be sexy all the time because she was a special type of masseuse. Oh, okay. That, happy endings, did she? Yes. So I saw that, and I see that she could pull it off, but it's also different. She was, she's a woman in that show. She's not a young lady. Yeah, yeah. That was years on. I yes. Don't, this would have been right around the same time of Can't Hardly Wait and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, the stunt double for Denise Richards received multiple cuts during the scene where she's thrown into the hot tub from the jet nozzles. Oh shit. 
That sucks. <laughs> that was real blood in there, folks. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, the studio was originally considering Jared Leto for the role of Adam, who uh, starred in Blank's previous film, Urban Legend, uh, before going with David Boreanaz instead. Luke Wilson and Jeremy Sisto were considered for the role of Adam as well. I don't know that I would have liked uh, Jared Leto is too method. He would have made the, you would have paid yeah. him as being the bad guy right from the get go. Yeah. And then Luke, Luke Wilson, like he's, he's an odd person to have been a choice for this. Yeah. We're not talking about Owen. We're talking about no. his brother. Yeah. But like Luke, Luke Wilson, you know, the brown haired Wilson brother, like yes. he's very sarcastic in his deliveries of stuff, you know? Um, I don't know that he would have fit, and I don't even know who Jeremy Sisto is, unfortunately, to rate him one way or the other. I mean, I rem- what do you think about those names? Um, hold on. Let me get Jeremy Sisto's face. That It's an, almost an immediate no for me, not based on his looks, just the type of character I think I recall him playing. Okay, Jeremy Sisto. Not sister. Fucking Google. <sighs> Um. Oh no. Oh yeah, I know that guy. I don't remember the movie. I've seen his face. I do remember him. No, he was always in like jokey type roles or whatever. He, he would not fit that part. Yeah, he played a good asshole. But in this movie, um, even though David Boreanaz played a killer, he wasn't an asshole. He was sweet and he was very polite to her friends. Um. He- even when he, you That's could tell I he think did. David Boreanaz was perfect for this role. Yeah. He needed somebody who had that tortured feel to him. Yes. He and, oh, played, God, Angel has Angel a tortured feel. So yes. <laughs> he had played Angel for so long that he he had that tortured soul, like, yes. you know, perfect, perfected by that point. And he was very, like, like, he could tell that in one scene that I loved, you can tell that he could tell that Kate's friend was going through a tough time and he was not only putting off empathy, but he was putting off concern and he was putting off caution because he looked scared at what this girl could potentially do, which made the twist kind of work a little bit. You know, he's like that. She's fucking going through it. And I just need to be really careful what I say or do around this one. Well, and I think it's funny, too. I mean, she would have discussed it with Dorothy, so it would have worked either way. But it was right after she told Adam, like, confided in that Scary Gary had been, like, being creepy again. Yes. And he had that joke or whatever. He's like, you know, she's like, and also my panties were missing. And he, to make her feel better, which actually goes to show how good yes. an actor he is. Like, he th- he makes a joke out of it. He's like, oh, well, that's me with the panties. I like wearing them. They're breezy, whatever. Yes. Knowing well well and good that he didn't have, no, it was Scary Gary that stole the panties. But the next time you see Scary Gary, he gets caught by the killer with the panties yes. in his hands. And the killer takes him out, and it's like, okay, that's Adam standing up for his girlfriend. Yes. You know? Yes, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Luke Wilson, too. I've seen him. I remember him in Home Fries, which that movie is from a romantic comedy. I feel like that would be right up yours and your your Mrs. Uh, you know, Allie. Maybe hers. I could be wrong, uh, but it's very Southern. <laughs> um. But, yeah, he was just too much of a romantic and too much of a sweet guy. And Jeremy Sisto's only a be- only an asshole, in my opinion. So, I don't know. Yeah, you got to have that this, balance. Luke Wilson was also in Legally Blonde with Reese Witherspoon, as we were talking about <laughs> Reese Witherspoon earlier. That's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait a second. Okay, now, as for Jared Leto, he can be sexy in his own weird, I run a cult kind of way. 
Um, he he can also play tortured. I'll give him that. Yes, because he, he can play that. But, but can he play a romantic? Have I have we ever seen that? I've never seen it. Anytime he does romantic, he does a weird twist on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I I think it would have been so weird. It would have so you would have gotten who Adam was like way before the end reveal, which I think helps the movie out because you can look at David Boreanaz and be empathetic to him. I don't know that I could have been empathetic to Jared Leto. He just, he's a little too strange with the way that he takes on these roles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I see anything of it. And it's so hard because like we said already, like we've established David Boreanaz, he killed it in this role. No pun intended. (laughs) <laughs> I got to give him credit. I was going to this movie thing. It was going to be hot shit, you know, Same. just like a pot, you know, and then I watched it and I'm like, it's got legit good qualities to it. I mean, it might not be the best, you know, slasher out there, but it's definitely not the bottom by any yeah. means. I mean, and the most important thing, it holds up. It does. I mean, uh, this many years on, I mean, you know, it's, God, 22 years later, and it's as sad as that is. uh, I mean, 2001 feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah, and there's not very many Valentine's slashers or or scary films, really. Um, There really isn't. So I think that's the best part is, like, it has its own genre, its own holiday. You know, there's one or two other films, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jessica Caulfield remarks that her favorite scenes to film were her on screen uh, with her on screen boyfriend, uh, Johnny Whitworth. Uh, while most actors get exhausted filming kissing scenes after several takes, Caulfield said she had no such issue because Whitworth was a great kisser. Or. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's funny because I thought that, uh, Lily and her boyfriend were some of the, the, the cringiest parts of the movie. I mean, yes. I will give them this though. That chick that was like, you know, watching and like semi, you know, pleasuring herself to them, two of them making out. She was kind of hot. Like that chick was like, I mean, she didn't amount to anything cause she got pissed off and left, but yeah. I mean, she was definitely ratchet hot. Like she, you know, you know, she was DTF. So I, yeah, I mean, that, that, she's not my type, quite a bit. but, and then I instantly got jealous. So I was like, it's a no for me. <laughs> uh, one of the very few trailers for a theatrical film to feature a female narrator. So there you go. That's kind of cool. Wait, female narrator. Yeah. The, 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 the trailer oh, for this movie. Tra- Holy shit. I got to check that out. I never even, oh my God. Didn't know. Uh, if he could do it all over again, Jamie Blanks would said he would cut back on the cheap scares and broad humor in the film. I, mm, no, I think it was fine. I mean, for what it did, I mean, the humor might've been, you know, might've made it a little too light at times, but I don't think this is the kind of movie that needed to be super dark either. Mm-mm, no, I, I, I mean, I, I barely noticed. So I think it was just enough. That's just me. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's probably one of those things years later he looked and he's probably just like second guessing what he did at the time. It happens to a lot of creators. Um, I mean, if you go back and listen to Carpenter, he doesn't really like anything he did in Halloween and everybody, you know, says that's one of the best movies ever. It's like, well, there's many things I could have done better. It's like, yeah, knowing what you know now, but I mean, you did the best movie you could at the time, you know, with what skills you had. You got to recognize that and move on when it comes to this kind of stuff here's the thing we're fans at the end of the day and people are gonna like different things so 
who the fuck am I to tell you as a creator how you need to fucking do something? I'm really nobody. I'm just somebody that's watching a film, and if I enjoy it, I do. If I don't, I'll say why I don't. But most importantly, who the fuck are you to tell me what I like as a creator? You know, like, you're a creator. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, you're creating something, but you're just creating something that at the time works for you. Don't fucking tell me what I like or what I need. That's rude. Well, it's, 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 and it's kind of, and it's kind of like too that um, I hate this when creators do this the tangent, but um, they they they'll put out there that they they have their own interpretation of what the movie's supposed to be about and you know what the the meaning and the symbols and all that, and then they get mad at the audience when the audience takes in a different direction. Um, the best creators go the opposite route and they they say this is what my intention was, but I think it's cool as shit that everybody else got this entirely yeah. different meaning based upon their life. I'll give you an example, like Pearl Jam, um, Eddie Vader or whatever. He That one song, uh, I'm Still Alive or whatever, you know, he was talking about, like, the whole song's about the fact that he found out at that point in his life that he'd been adopted and never knew that he was adopted his entire life. And his adopted father was dying or whatever. Um, but he said that everybody else is taking that song as almost like an anthem for life. It's like, you know... I've been through all this shit, but I'm still alive. You mm-hmm. know, like that's the, the, and he says he loves that. He's like, it, the, the song has a whole, it means more to him because the audience interpreted it from a different point of view. I love it when creators do that. Yeah. So um, I, I think it might be, here's my dumb explanation to explain it away. Um, I'm not, and I'm not agreeing with curators who go the opposite route at all because I think it's a dickhead move. Uh, and I think it's technically their fault, but they also blame themselves because I think what the issue they're having is is that they feel like they failed to portray how what they wanted to portray. They failed at their project, even though that's not necessarily a failure. Yeah, you can't control what people are going to take from it. If you think you can, you're not God, you know. Um, but maybe also you didn't do a good job portraying what you wanted, and that's why we picked up something else. <sighs> I, I agree with what you say, but also I feel like that that's the beauty in art is yes. that, you know, like they say, you know, it's in the eye <clears> of the <throat> beholder. It's like you, you grant things to like, you know, pieces of art, music, whatever that are from your own experience. And like, that's why you connect with it. I, I think that's, I think that's more fascinating uh, thing about art is that it can be interpreted that way as opposed to like, it's kind of boring if like you look at something and like some of these credits do and, and they're like, well, clearly this person meant for this to be a, you know, a, a treatise on, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, boring dude. It's like, that's, <laughs> that's fine if that's what you want to do. But like, I mean, the fact that somebody else saw this and they like took this movie and they saw like female empowerment where maybe it wasn't necessarily meant to be that way. It's like, that's cool. That's, you know, they, yeah. they saw something different, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think that that's kind of shitty whenever, you know, like the artist or, you know, goes back and they're just, they're mad at the the person viewing it for not picking up the themes that they put in there, you know, themselves. It's like, okay, you've lived a different life. You're going to have a different interpretation than what we do. Yeah. I think part of the funnest parts of this show in particular is when you and I do not agree at all. It's so <laughs> funny. Like, cause it's like, and it's funny, even funnier. It's even better when we don't expect it. It's a genuine shock. 
Yeah, and well, and it gives you something to play off of. That's always yes. the fun thing. It's like, okay, why? I did not expect this, but it's it's interesting to see that point of view, like why you felt that way about something, especially like knowing you like you hate a slow burn, but then like whenever a slow burn actually is something you like, it's like very interesting why that one suddenly took versus the the other ones that didn't. Yeah, know? it's uh, I'm a, I'm a unique one because I think at this point. You and my husband pretty much expect me to hate everything, or not hate everything, but just not be impressed so much by everything. So there's that. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I went in this movie thinking I was just going to be bored to tears, and I watched it, and I'm like, that's not bad. I mean, like, I really, I, I came out the other side of this movie not, I mean, because for years I'd avoided this movie, honestly, because when it came out, like, everybody dogged it. Like, it was one of those ones at the time period – and horror was like, you know, post scream, it was really big. And like, there was a lot of these me too movies that came out, not me too in the sense of, you know, the whole yeah. movement, but me too <laughs> in the sense of they glommed on, you know, to scream yeah. and you know, it's, and, and a lot of them got pushed to the wayside and some of them, I mean, became cult favorites like Valentine, you know, but like, I never went back to it just because I was like, Oh, well that came out and like it, you know, was dogged in the day, but then I go, go back and watch it. And I'm like, it really wasn't that bad for what it was. You know? Yeah. Um, I gonna say I genuinely enjoyed this one. It was definitely a slash for me. Um, and not a pass for sure. Um, <laughs> And, I w- and I'm with you. I did not expect this to be good. I thought David Boreanaz was going to be super flat. And he was flat. But he's, it, but he just works so well. He's, he's definitely got a craft in flat delivery, you know? Yeah, it's, it's flat but with layers. It's weird. Mm-hmm. The, it's flat on the surface, but then when you get to, like, looking at how he delivered it, it's actually got, like, it's not, like, flat in the delivery, like, say, Tara Reid, where you are, oh, you know, God. you get, like, a monotone, like, <laughs> you know, this is straight what I'm going to deliver. If I'm supposed to be pissed off, then I'm slightly louder and, you know, more forceful in my speech. It's like he's got undertones to it because, like, if he wants you to be empathetic to him, he he, he – kind of like softens his voice up a little bit or if he wants to be more of like you know hardcore like you you know like an angel if you want to be more like forceful with it he you know like there was a power behind his voice even if it's like on the same keel all the time yeah well you know what's funny is going back to what jamie blank said is that he said he'd cut back on the cheap scares and the humor in the film but it was david boreanaz trying to be humorous in this film that gave you even more empathy for him because here yeah, he is and- this big brooding looking guy but he's telling goofy dad jokes and saying goofy things and you're like oh what a nerd you know yeah, and it's the one thing that kind of makes you empathetic and kind of steers you off from I mean, because from the get-go, it's like, okay, Adam's going to be the killer. I mean, yes. he's one of the guys in the movie, so obviously. But then, like, they, they make him so empathetic, you know, that like, okay, all right, we're, maybe he's not. Maybe it's one of these other guys because the rest of the guys are yeah, shit. God, you know, they like creepy so. guys in this fucking <laughs> film. And I tell you what, like, Dorothy really built up that bitch mode really well that, I mean, I didn't even, I could care less when she died. I was like, well, she's a fucking cunt. So, and she's a little psycho. Um, that's actually a good segue to the next point. Jamie Blanks pointed out the difficulty of juggling the red herrings uh, as every time he showed the killer, he had to be sure to account for other possible suspects to keep audiences guessing. And that's and, he, and his quote is, and that's really tough when you only uh, have your leading man for 10 days. Yeah. You know, film. Um, and and we kind of discussed it. There's a little bit of an issue there with the height, but I mean, they he films it in such a way that he's not directly like the girl's 
you know, like the killer's not right behind them. So you yeah. don't really get the height sense That's from true. the killer. Um, it was shot in 42 days, which is very short time yeah. for filming. Uh, surprisingly well done for that amount of time, to be honest. Um, when director uh, Jamie Blanks first got the script, he assumed it was a reboot of My Bloody Valentine yeah. from 1981 and initially passed on it. Ironically enough, a reboot, reboot did happen, which came out in 2009, and we will be discussing that next episode. Um, Marley Shelton discovered while filming the speed dating scene that she was allergic to synthetic wool, which was the material her scarf was made of, which made the scene agonizing for her to film. What? Oh, oh speed dating. So oh, much. okay. What the fuck, though? What is up? What is going on in Hollywood that these actresses that are in shoes that hurt or a, a scarf that's making you fucking want to rip the skin off of your neck? What's up with not being able to say, hey, something's not right. This is this is hurting me a lot. Yeah, they could have changed the fabric to something else. Like, yeah. I, I mean, maybe she felt like she was too young because she mentions like this is one of the first movies she really got like out of, of, you know, like college and film school and all the other stuff. So maybe she was too afraid to say anything. But by all like the, all of the descriptions between her, Denise Richards and uh and uh, the the and Caulfield, they all described uh, Jamie Blanks as being like this super cool and yeah. nice guy that like worked with them like on everything. So that's he so would have been okay with that. Yeah, I mean, like, and what, did you have to have the fucking scarf? You know. <laughs> Uh, they also brought up in that interview, they were talking about it, the speed dating scene. They said that it really like cements the time period is like the late nineties before the internet really became a thing because, you know, speed dating like had a short stint there where, and then it came and went because now, you know, like people started meeting on like social media sites and like it just died as quickly as it, you know, came about. So. Yeah. Um, I can honestly say I never partook in that. Thank God. <laughs> We get to know you and let them. A few movies from back in the day, and it always looked ridiculous. Fucking, I I think the best one though was definitely Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah, yeah, that one's a real is a whole faux show. Yes, (laughs) you got to meet Gina when he was was, like talking to Gina. Gina, yeah, I was gonna say he met Gina, and she's like, "It's Gina, actually." She's like, I'm not really into guys, but I'm willing to try it with you. Oh, my God. He should have rode that horse. Oh, man. Um, let's just say, let, let's pour one out for comedies. Like, comedy's dead, folks. It's sad to say, but I, I miss those old comedies from, like, you know, early to mid-2000s. Like, yeah. They, they were some of the best. Uh, many publications, this is what I was going on earlier, uh, incorrectly stated that the film's budget was... 20 million dollar range and but its actual budget was 10 million which necessitated shooting a majority of it in canada oh of course uh, cheap which ass goes Canadians. Back to the whole hallmark thing because <laughs> hallmark is filmed in canada and that's why they you know have all the same actors and actresses in all their movies Ugh, with their five hundred thousand dollar budget and i doubt i bet you it's it's in the millions but i'm sure they bank just fine on majority of those films Oh, well, yeah, they don't have to really pay writers because it's the same basic, like, three or four, you know, story thing. It's they, they spend all their money on the actors and actresses. And yes. I mean, really, do they have to spend that much? Because a lot of them yeah. are post the prime of their career. So they're just kind of <laughs> like, you know. And I guarantee um, you their prime <laughs> market is the women whose men are just as bad as the movies. Trash, okay? They got trash men in their lives, so need they need this trash movie to make up for the trash they're having to clean up in their real life. They're like, oh, well, you know, I wish my 
trash was like this trashy film, you know, <laughs> a little more romantic, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, they're missing that little bit of a, you know, a spark or whatever. So they're, that's what they're going for with it. Uh, this film is credited as being based on Tom Savage's novel, but producer Dylan Sellers optioned it solely for the title. Dylan saw the title, liked the title and said, I don't want to make that story. I want to make something else. <laughs> I, I don't know how I'd feel if I was the guy, uh, Tom Savage. I'd be like, okay, well, I got paid for it. Th that's good at least. But I mean, you know, story just got like, you know, name dropped and that's it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'd be butt hurt. But how big is this paycheck? Because that might ease the pain a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I, th I think the paycheck was probably uh, enough to where he was fine with it. And if um, they were open with me about it, meaning, hey, so here's the sitch. We are taking the title of your story only. And we don't like what else you put out, but here's a paycheck. Have a great day. If they were like well, open, like, I guess I can't complain, you know? Here's the thing. The story had to have been at least partially yeah. like, you know, because if it was completely different and, and they just wanted to use the title Valentine, they could have made that movie without exactly. even paying him anything. So they what? had to have took something else. Yeah. I'm thinking the Cupid know. mask, um, maybe the Valentine's cards. Maybe that or just the fact that it's a killer based on Valentine's Day, which even then you would think that that's so vague that they could have made that movie without having to pay him either. But, I mean, he got lucky. He got paid for basically nothing in that case. Um, let me see. I want to get um horror book. Hold, please. Okay, Tom Savage. Um, I just want to get... Okay, what is the plot of Valentine Tom Savage? Loosely based on the novel. Nope, just kidding. I want the novel. Uh, anyways, go ahead and I'm just going to research this while you're continuing. Okay, so the maggots in the candy scene with Lily Voigt was inspired by a childhood incident involving uh, director Don Coscarelli. When he saw his father eating a candy bar in the dark <laughs> and all of a sudden he started spitting it out and his dad started screaming it was loaded with ants. <laughs> Ew. Okay, but that's way better than maggots. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Ants uh, Ants are actually a food that the World Economic Forum would prefer that we eat yes. as, opposed, as opposed to maggots. <laughs> I don't like it. Klaus Schwab, you fucking piece of shit. Anyways, uh, Denise Richards was casting the film without an audition. Oh, of course. <laughs> Hey, listen, if you were uh, around this time, if you had Denise Richards even attempting to be in your movie, I mean, just her looks alone was enough to sell it to a lot of horny guys. Yeah, I don't that's true. Them. I would have just hired her to. Uh, Catherine Heigl was dis has disowned this film, claiming that she hates it. She didn't read the whole script before accepting her role, only the scenes containing her character. In a 2005 magazine interview, she said she regretted the decision to appear in the film after seeing the final cut. Oh, damn. That's just sour grapes because I don't know what she thinks she's done, but, like, I mean, I don't feel like her role is that terrible or that, you know, I don't even <clears throat> like offensive in any way, shape, or form that it would. I mean, she wasn't poorly acting in the in the role. They didn't graphically, like, destroy her character in any way, shape, or form. Like, uh, what would she be, like, so adamant against? I mean. Why does she does this? This is not the first film she's done this with. Do you remember the whole I'm, Knocked Up? I'm, I'm surprised that Knocked Up isn't one that she absolutely, because that movie, I could see why she would argue she against did. that movie. I she mean. did. You don't remember that? 
I, I vaguely remember her bitching about something about that, but I don't really remember like the, the context behind it. Yeah. She talked so much shit about, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Is it Judd? Judd Apatow. Yeah, uh, which I heard he's fucking amazing to work with, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, she probably didn't like um, the actor who was the chubby, well, who played her chubby baby Seth daddy. Seth Rogen, which I've got a story about that, but go ahead. Yeah, so she probably <laughs> maybe had issues with him. I'm not sure. Um, but then had beef with everyone on the fucking set. Everyone didn't like her on the set. And I'm sure I did hear that. That's what I heard is that she was a bitch to everybody on set. That's what it was. Yeah. And then she started talking mad shit. Now she did recant on it later and apologize to Judd Apatow and did say, you know, he was, he was great. And you know, I don't know what the fuck she was going through, but it seems like she does this to a few films. She might want to check herself before she wrecks herself. (laughs) Uh, But before Um, you go into that, I do have the synopsis of the book. Um, Very short. Uh, it won't take long, but best. Okay, so this is uh, best-selling author Jillian Tab- Talbot has it all: um, <clears throat> a fabulous, successful career, a handsome and attentive lover, lots of friends, and a secret admirer. He calls himself Valentine, but behind his cryptic words, which is probably the Valentine cards, uh, okay. hides the mind of a twisted mind of a killer. Now this faceless madman is writing the final scene for Jill. It is almost Valentine's Day. Almost time to die. That sounds like an interesting concept for a movie. Yes. I just wanted to go back and make that movie itself. Yes. I mean, that would be fine. 100%. <laughs> so, anyways, I wanted to throw that out there. I would have I would have liked that. I'm not going to pretend like I wouldn't. Um, what I was going to say about uh, Seth Rogen uh, is that um, – uh, he had another actress recently come out and say something similar to what you say. And Catherine Heigl said, um, Emma Watson, who played Hermione Granger and Harry Potter, um, <clears throat> came out as she was in that movie. This is the end. Uh, my wife told me this story recently. And, uh, she, and Emma Watson came out and said that she absolutely hates the fact that she was in that movie and wishes she hadn't done her scenes. And I'll give her credit because she has legit reasons why, she, you know, she did this. So, she's only in the beginning of the movie she plays kind of like the she's kind of like this strong psychotic like version of herself because they're all playing themselves and in, in this is the end yeah uh, it's setting like the the apocalypse you know and they're all like you know rogan and all the people that he was friends with at the time yeah you know because he's this own franco since then um they uh, anyways like she breaks in there and like she's gone the next morning and she stole some stuff from them well apparently she only read her line her scenes because uh she went back and watched the movie later and found out there's a scene later in the movie like shortly after that that they were all upset that uh you know emma had left because they all planned on raping her oh shit uh, according to the you know the way that they say the movie she said hey that offended her because she said that she'd never done the movie if she you know that was even implied that that's what they were going to do to her character and b she was supposed to have popped up later on in the movie in a scene where Channing Tatum or where she was going to be one of the cannibals in the movie that they see later when uh, Danny um, uh, McBride or whatever comes out and he's got Channing Tatum. It's like his gimp that he's been Oh, my fucking. God. Um, she said that when she read the scene that Channing Tatum was going to be humping Danny McBride's leg, she said, I'm out like this. Fuck this movie. Like, I can't blame her between the, the fact that her character was basically going to be raped in the movie and, you know, the whole Danny McBride scene. I feel like that's more legit than anything Catherine Heigl had to say about, her, yeah. you know, knocked 100%. up. 100%. Okay. Was this supposed to be like a comedy, a horror comedy? It is. Yeah. There's one scene where, uh, um, 
uh, what's that Seth, whatever his name is that like, that's uh, the, you know, that's in all those movies with him. Like the, the one that's in uh super bad anyways, like he, he gets possessed by, you know, a, a demon like it one, because it's set in like the Christian, you know, like, uh, apocalypse like all the people called to heaven you know yeah. uh, that were going to go to heaven and now they're what's left and it, most of Hollywood and they're in Hollywood so of course degenerates are there uh. you know and <laughs> which I mean to be fair they're they're not wrong but I mean it's, I'm uh, sorry this film sounds funny it is funny I mean it, it's it, it actually is it's just there's a I mean there is some stuff in it and i could see emma watson like having a reason why she was upset that she associated herself with it after the fact that she didn't read any more than that but who doesn't read the rest of the script i mean yeah you don't want to take on a role like that you know yeah because you don't know oh i don't know but i mean sounds like a a hard lesson learned (laughs) well i think she also just got out of harry potter and like she was trying to establish herself in hollywood and i think that was her end like you know they they, (laughs) did Well, there you go, Emma. Um, anyways, going back to this movie, Richard Kelly, who was the director of Donnie Darko, was originally offered the chance to direct, but he turned the offer down. Now, that would have been an interesting movie yeah. because that guy has got some weird takes on films, so I would have been interested to see what that did. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Blanks was inspired by Jack Shoulder's film Alone in the Dark, 1982, for the killer's bloody nose gag. That's probably going to be an attack of the bees at some point this season because oh. that is a pretty big one. It's got the guy who played Loomis uh, <laughs> in the original Halloween, and it's got uh, uh, several other actors, you know, famous actors at the time, and it's a, kind of a slasher type film. Um, something else I was going to say earlier that I don't think I did I, when they the way that they designed the character in this movie reminded me a lot of the giallo type killers uh, back in the seventies, because it was just like a masked killer with black gloves and a yeah. black trench coat. Yeah. It was very close to that look. Um, anyways, uh, blanks tried to avoid overly referential dialogue. So as not to complete compete with the likes of scream, but he couldn't resist having Kate refer to Adam by saying he's no angel which my wife immediately picked up on and laughed oh at. Oh, my God. I did not catch that at all. Yeah, she's, she's telling her friend, she's like, well, he's no angel, but he's not a killer. And it's like, <laughs> he's not an angel. Ah, you Shut know. up. Hetty <laughs> uh, <Hedy, laughs> Barras, who played Ruthie, originally auditioned for Jessica Capshaw's role of Dorothy. Uh, and Caulfield originally auditioned for Denise Richards' role of Paige. I feel like they cast that right because I can't see either one of them in the different roles. Absolutely not. Well, Ruthie was kind of a bitch, so she might have worked for uh, Dorothy, but I feel feel like Capshaw did a better job of portraying that. Yeah, I think she did. I cannot see Jessica Caulfield, uh, whatever, doing Paige's role at all. She... She didn't have the looks. She's like I don't want to say cute. that about her, but nope. I feel like it's funny because Dorothy's supposed to be the ugly duckling of the group, and I feel like Caulfield was the one yes. to me yes. that was. See, you say you don't want to say it, but I absolutely fucking will. She was not cute <laughs> at all. And and she's one of the 
she's aged the hardest of the three of the, that was on that that group too because Marley looks almost exactly the same. I like bet. she's barely aged. Denise Richards now Denise looks rough in her own way. Like you can tell she's had work done, but mm-hmm. she's still she's pretty. But like it, there's the wrinkles are there and all that. Whereas Marley has none. And then like Caulfield's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like I don't know how you were the hot girl back in the day. Yeah, you're right. Denise Richards is looking rough. I mean, she doesn't have too much work done. She's trying to age gracefully. Um, well, I just don't want her to get any more work done because it's just going to widen her face, you know, trying to stretch out what's going on. It's like, just do your best, girl, you know? Yeah, Marley Shelton looks like she's just aged like maybe five to seven years since she was in this movie. Like, you can tell that she's like, you know, she's got more of a filled out face, like, you know, older in the sense of like looking more like a woman than a young, you know, younger girl like she did or, you know, early 20s like she did in this. But like she's, there's no wrinkles. Like, I mean, if she's doing Botox, it's working for her. Like she looks younger, you know. She's Um, just aging gracefully. Who is this? Oh, her husband's a producer. Okay, if they're still married. Oh, and one thing I was going to say is is that Marley uh, Shelton's first role or first thing she had to do to audition for this job, her scene that she had to use to audition was with David Boreanaz. Uh, They had the same agent at the time. Um, and, and they had to enact that scene toward the end of the movie where she kicks him in the nuts. You know, she's got to act like she's empathetic toward him, you know, and all that. And then she, you know, uh, kind of, you know, kicks him in the nuts and runs off. She had to film that. That was the very first scene and interaction she had with David, David Boreanaz, period. Oh, that's for funny. This movie. Um, and she said it's funny, too, because they uh, he's like – They've been friends since then because they share the same agent or did at one point in time. But she said he's also like a really good friend of her husband's. So, like, she sees him all the time. So, like, I mean, like, she's very close to David even after this movie. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Caulfield was cast in the film after working Urban Legend's final cut. Uh, Jamie Blanks had previously directed the first film, Urban Legend. Um Blanks wanted cinematographer Rick Boda for Urban Legend, but the timing didn't work out, so he again asked for him on this film. The studio told him that Boda had actually been pitching to direct this film, but Blanks convinced him to shoot the film with him instead, and then Boda went on to make his re- his debut with uh, Hellraiser Hellseeker, which is one of the Hellraiser movies that I'm not familiar with. And, oh. uh, they're good strength. There's a good portion of the Hellraiser movies that are garbage, so I hope that's not one of his. Yeah. Uh, Blanks wanted Rebecca Gayhart to play one of the women, but despite their shared urban legend experience, she turned me down because she didn't want to be typecast in horror movies. There you go, folks. Like, they don't want to be typecast. Uh, okay, Noxima, um, bitch. <laughs> Uh, ironically enough, uh, Gay Hart would go on to star in Santa's Slay in 2005. So even though she told him she didn't want to be a, they always come back. They always like, oh, I, it wasn't that bad. It's like, of course it wasn't. I'm going to be honest with you. I think she made a big mistake. Uh, I think so too, because I feel like she, uh, this would have been one of the ones that, cause Santa Slay, I don't even know what that is, but I mean, Valentine, everybody, you know, it's, it's enough of a classic that people know about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, around the 40, around 40 minutes in, uh, the, the filming of the outdoor scenes were continuously interrupted by a real asshole. According to Jamie Blanks, who kept laying on his car horn until they paid him to stop. This happened in Canada. So Blanks speculated it was visiting American tourist. What the fuck? <laughs> paid them oh. to stop. I would have been like police. 
Yeah, I'd been like, get this motherfucker out of here. What what the hell? Security. Guys? Security. 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 Uh, Marley Shelton took inspiration from Mia Farrow, of all uh, people, uh, and her films, especially Rosemary's Baby, to prepare for a role. Like, and that sounds pretentious, but like she described it in the interview, and it makes more sense. She wanted like that wide-eyed, like naive, but like you know, uh, almost trusting type, you know, character that you know uh, Mia Farrow had through most of the movie before she realized that her husband was a piece mm-hmm. of shit and and all that stuff, and. I get it. I mean, and that's kind of how she needed the character to be because, I mean, if she started suspecting Adam from the get-go, then that would have made the film, you know, harder to play out the way that it did. I'm going to be honest with you. I can 1,000% see this. I, I, I think she did an amazing job, and I think it was great inspiration. I think it really worked for this film. Or in general, if that's how she, you know, dip- well, I guess she did it specifically for this film, but I think that was a very good call. I, I agree. I think that that, I mean, it had, it was what she needed it to be for the film. And, yes. and, and she, I mean, even though the, there's this weird things about her and we'll get in that here in just a second, the awards as far as the final girl, like I, she, she did end up making me ultimately sympathetic toward her as a character. So oh, yeah. she faded. Um, all right. Moving on to death holler awards, final girl. What do you think about Kate? I think she is one of so far, one of the smartest, girls final girls so far because she has an explanation for everything when she's clearly scared of him uh when she kicks him in the nuts uh she she is able to explain it away and make it seem real and he's falling for it i agree with that i also agree that like i mean she's like literally in the arms of the killer the entire movie not realizing it and she does a good enough i mean she does the perfect balance between like kind of suspecting him but then trying to give him a bit of doubt and like you know yeah she and 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 as far as like i mean and and she shows that even if that scene is gross and it's stupid in its own in its own way i mean i agree with what you said though like it being you know like She's not a guy in the sense or, or a seasoned woman to know that the tank would have the clean yes. water. She shows she's resourceful. Like she had yeah. to have her hair washed out. So toilet it is, you know, yeah. and it also shows she's not willing. She's not above getting dirty to do what needs to be done. So she, yeah, she's a fighter when she's fighting. She's a lover when she's loving. And I will give her this. Yes, she is bamboozled, but that is easy to fall for. Like he saved her life he never get she had a poker face and so did he in different ways her poker face was i'm suspecting you of being the killer but i'm not showing you that i think that and his poker face is i'm the killer but i'm never gonna reveal that card to you and i could totally see it makes sense that he was able to get her to believe that it was her friend because her friend even accused him in a kind of a almost belligerent type of way like like i said you didn't know if uh, dorothy was drunk at the time were just mad and she was kind of spewing crazy things and kind of giving crazy vibes. So when she, when the quotation mark killer was revealed to be Dorothy, even though we know that that's not the case, <laughs> I could see that, you know? Um, I think she walked a, a very fine line and succeeded in both being like, she's one of those final girls. That's, that's the fun flirty ones but uh and, but i mean it clearly you know shows her sexual side at times i mean some of the kisses she has in the movie are very like you you can yeah. tell she's down the clown but then, <laughs> like other times she's she's 
she plays a virginal character at times. Yes. Like there's, especially in comparison to Paige, like when they're on screen together, it's like, okay, Paige, you're, you're too much of a whore. That's yes. not who I am, you know? Um, and, and she sticks to her one guy even, you know? So, I mean, she, she plays that part of it too. You yeah. Know, pretty well. Uh, she, she's, and she's also, she comes off very young and naive. Like you said, I mean, there's, there's some stupid moments for sure, but in terms of survival, she knows how to do it. And he's a good-looking killer. Can you really be mad at him, like, forever? <laughs> he's a sweet guy. We're, we're going to discuss good-looking killers in the next episode for yeah. sure. But, yeah, yeah, he's 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 one of them. He's like, I mean, it, you can understand her being, you know, like, more believing. I mean, even if that is a shitty thing, you know, somebody's better looking, you're going to be less likely to suspect them of stuff like this. Yeah, so. I mean, a hot pass. Uh, speaking of the slasher, uh, the, what'd you think of like just the, the look and like, you know, how it was portrayed? Uh, I give it a 100%. I mean, uh, we, I, we talked about the things that were not perfect, you know, yeah. in terms of height and width and stuff like that, but it does fucking work. I want to say something real quick though because it is in terms of the slasher. So <laughs> this is more shit to fucking throw our minds off. I talked to you about the height of the killer because I really don't think that the height portrays what fell onto Kate. Uh, I, I feel like the person was definitely taller even though the actress that is supposed to be in the killer's costume is shorter than Kate aka Marley Shelton. But also yes. let's talk about the width difference in the size of clothing that David Boreanaz wears versus Dorothy and how this costume fit her almost perfectly. Yeah. I mean, that, that one was kind of a weird, like, you know, thing. I mean, if you want to explain a way that somehow he like stuffed the clothing a little bit, but I mean, that would have been apparent. Like when he started, when started shooting her, there would have been like, you know, like stuffing or something come out or, or some kind of nonsense. And it would have been too apparent, you know, to, to, I don't, I mean, so even if he didn't do that, like she should have been like, if she was in his clothes, assuming that he wasn't, and he might've been smart enough to have like a totally different sized outfit just for Dorothy. Um, but assuming that wasn't the case, like she would have been like, you know, uh, the opposite of fat guy in a little coat, you know, it'd been like, she just been swallowed whole by his outfit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess she was. I, there's no There's no way. I don't care how fat she was supposed to be in this film, allegedly, the no. bigger girl. It wouldn't work. So that was just something that I kind of noticed in terms of the slasher slash costume. I don't know, man. Part of me wants to believe that maybe she was kind of playing a sick, twisted joke on her friend and it went horribly wrong. But we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, we won't know. I mean, if she if she did do that and it was like her way of getting back at Kate somehow for something, then it just played into Adam's whole entire thing or Jeremy's, however you want. I mean, whatever is is, I guess Jeremy's dead naming him at that point. Yeah, or whatever. You know? <laughs> dead naming. Uh, <laughs> uh, I but I th I think it's a good look. Like I said, for the killer, I think that it was the kills were suitably brutal. Like we've discussed, it, it, it gave me a lot of giallo vibes. I mean, it yeah. definitely had that old, the seventies, like put on a mask of some kind, black trench coat, leather gloves. It's a simple look, but it works, you know? Yeah. Gelatos um, for sure. 
what do you think the best kill was for you? It was the, okay, I thought it's definitely between the shower uh, glass scene for me and Paige. I think I'm going to go with the shower glass scene, though. I was just the most excited for it. Yeah, it was set up pretty well. The The character was asking for it by being a total cunt to everybody mm-hmm. involved. It was it was good. And I had some um, suspicions about her. How did she know where homie's room was? How did she know she was going through his bag? Well, I guess she knows what his bag looks like, so there's that. Because uh, she seemed to find it pretty easily. And then she's going through, like, she found the watch. And, like, what were her intentions? I almost was like, are we going to find out that they were kind of in on something together? But we never got that. It was either she was, yeah, they never said anything. It was either she was in with him on the grift that he was trying to pull on Dorothy or she had been grifted herself, and so she was trying to get her get hers back, what she was due or something. Like, I mean, or maybe she was in on the grift originally and he cut her out because he was talking on the phone to somebody and he said he would get the money soon, and that never went anywhere, so I don't know what was going on with that. But, um, um, yeah, it was kind of a weird one. Uh, for me... I would say that the arrows to the chest is one of the ones that's up there, even though it wasn't like necessarily the most uh, you know, original or anything like that. It's just thematically. I mean, Cupid era yeah. makes, you know, perfect sense. Oh yeah. I didn't even think, Oh my God. My dumbass did not even fucking put that together. Uh, but then Paige in the, in the, with the drill in the hot tub. I mean, that, that was the, one of the bigger kills in the movie. I'll agree with you that the shower scene was good too, but this is one where I think the, that, uh, just the addition of the electricity and kind of how, like, I mean, not to say that Paige was like deserving of it, but <laughs> like, you know, she, she was one of the ones that, on, you know, definitely on the side of like, if anybody in this movie is going to get killed, it's going to be her. And they, they kind of saved her for one of the last few. So she at least got her due on that. Yeah. Uh, it was, to me, it was kind of funny how it was one too many holes in the plexiglass above her. Um, because obviously if it was real glass, it would have just shattered, but no, it just made these really nice holes and it would finally got her. And I'm like, okay, it's opening up. He's opening up the case. He's going to fucking just drill it. And I was like, oh, wait, you can't do that because it makes sense because, you know, if he had gone in there with the drill, he would have got shocked. So he's just like, yeah. fuck you, and threw it in there. I was like, oh, this is this is better than I anticipated. Like, Well, and, and here's two. Thematically, her kill is good in another way because you think about it. She's supposed to be the whore of the group, okay? Yeah. Hot tubs you know, promiscuity, you know, sex in a hot tub. I mean, so that that's fitting that the horror would, you know, or quote unquote would die in the hot tub, but also he's drilling her yes. mul- or, you know, into her multiple times. I mean, you know, getting drilled. I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. Like the, I'm sure that's what the blanks was thinking whenever he, you know, that's made so that, funny. you know, as the kill. Well, he was definitely thinking, uh, was it jawbreakers? Is that the, Swim scene or not jawbreakers. Uh, what's the sex scene that you guys all fucking love from the 90s she was in? Wild things. Wild yeah. things. It definitely she had the slick back wet hair. She's in the yeah, water. I yep. was like, oh, they're bringing it around downtown, you know? <laughs> uh as far as best scream, I don't think any really stood out to me in this movie. I don't, I mean, uh, no, maybe maybe Catherine Heigl's at the beginning. I mean, right before she had her throat slit. Oh but, yeah, I mean, that's the only real. That's the only one that stands out to me. 
because I mean, Kate didn't really have a reason to scream. Like she was the only person she really fought in the movie was Adam, and she was too familiar with him to yeah. you know scream. Like I mean, and even when she noticed all the dead bodies, it was more of like a you know, yeah. like it wasn't really a scream or anything. Mm-mm. So yeah, it's gonna have to be uh, what's her name, Catherine Heigl. Yeah, uh, best boobs. This is a damn shame. I, you have Denise Richards in the movie, and she doesn't show her, her breast. I I call foul on everybody <laughs> involved in this movie. We didn't get bare breasts, but she was on prominent display in the jacuzzi with a little jiggle going on in her well, bikini top. And to be fair, Kate's outfit, because even that creepy guy who was actually uh, uh, Lily Voigt's like boyfriend in real life, commented on how well uh, you know Marley yeah. Shelton was filling out her costume or you know her dress at the end of the movie. So yeah, that's we true. We didn't get to see them that way. Yeah, we just got to see a lot of boob form, but no naked boobs. Yeah. Um, how annoying is Doom Prophet? There's not really one in the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. Paige is the only one who's even halfway because she's the only one that's like, JM, is that Jeremy Melton, the, the yeah. dork that we, you know, like she's the only one that kind of even halfway, at, you know, links that. So. Well, even Dorothy with the, oh, it could be so-and-so. It could be him. It could be your man. Like, that was so random. It's not like she was wrong, though. <laughs> no, she wasn't. Uh, best side character. Um I, I put yeah. in here Jason just because the, the goofy ass speaking in third person. Like, I mean, he's just such a creep that like, I mean, he's like the epitome of like, you know, why women might hate men. Like I, I'll go give him credit for that. He also gets the Franklin award for that too. But yeah. anyways, Oh God. Um, for uh, me, it's going to be Brian meet slap Brian because the man knows what he wants and by golly, did he fucking get it? That's true. I mean, he did everything but say, suck me beautiful. Yeah, he said, wax it, and, like, he got (laughs) exactly what he asked for. Wax it, and then she really, that's, I mean, that was smart on her behalf. I I actually grew in my esteem just quite a bit more because she, you know, actually gets the wax out, and I'm like, touche. Yeah. You really did wax it for She didn't use enough wax. There was so many candles. She had so many more opportunities. I would have had the shaft and balls covered. Um, he, he said, you're a kinky bitch. Well, let's find out how kinky you are. Um, I knew where that was going as soon as she started tying him up. Yes. Every movie it's the guy gets like tied up and left, but whenever she also applied the pain, I yes. was like, I was like, I got to give you credit page. You're not a one note, just, you know, uh, you know, tease and, and a bit of a bitch. You're, you're, she's actually smart in the, what she, how she goes about her stuff. I just want to know where the magical matching scarves came from to tie him up at every bedpost. Uh, well, I mean, was that supposed to be Dorothy's room? Because I, I feel like it was. So that means that it Dorothy was into that stuff. So. Could have been. Yeah. I mean, like it was, they weren't right there necessarily. It's just, so you just so happen to see her using them. What uh, other. One other best side character that we've not we've completely forgot this woman because she's only in it for a split second is Dorothy's uh, mother-in-law. Oh, her, shit. Or her stepmom. I'm sorry, stepmom. The uh, the mail order bride from hell, as she calls yeah. her. Me love you long time. Yeah, I mean, I, she, she's a good-looking woman. I'll yeah. give her credit for that. You know, and she played uh, her role well. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she gave shit to Dorothy, so there's kudos for that. Yeah, you know? that's true. Uh. 
uh, I had that in, in the trivia and I cut it out. Like she, whatever she says, like somebody did break that down and like actually define what she said to her in Cantonese or whatever it was. But, yeah. Um, um, I think honorary going back real quick to honorary Franklin award. I really think that Dorothy does kind of get that for everything she pulled with kid. What's his name? Not Cameron. Um, he had a weird C name, I think. Campbell. Uh, Campbell. By just yeah. his fucking lame story of, oh, well, my roommate didn't pay rent and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and he just yeah. shows up with a bag. No, you don't have to give me a room. Even though he has everything he fucking owns in a bag, like ready to stay there with her. And she's just falling for everything. But that also goes to show that she was, I mean, she's still holding out, which is actually a very good, psychologically, a very good, like, you know, part of the character. She still got that ugly duck syndrome from, yeah. you know, back in school. Like, True. even if she is, because she is attractive at that point in the movie. It's just that she still got that baggage. Like, she she thinks that she has to play into that, you know. By baggage, do you mean she still has that extra 10 to 15 pounds? Because that's not nice. Uh, no, that's not what I was referencing. <laughs> I was referencing the baggage of her uh, stepmother from hell, but, oh. you know. <laughs> baggage of her insecurity, too. No, that's what I meant. Was or the, the extra 10 to 15 pounds that she's still carrying. No, I'm, just yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, dumbest moment in the movie for me was uh, when Ruthie, who had found a good hiding spot in the jacuzzi area, just leaves for, you know, even though the killer has came back twice. Yes. And so he's still apparently still out there. Oh, I'm just going to, he's clearly gone by now. And it's like, come on. Bitch. This like, is... yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But then again, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation. How long do you wait? Yeah, that's true. I don't know how long you would stay in there, but because he has at least stored one body in there. So yes. at some point he could find you. Yes. Um, and not only but that, but like time, time probably feels like forever. Yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, I mean, it's just like it is the dumbest though. I I would have if she would have been smart, she would have been looking for over that body to find if there's anything on him that yeah. she uses a weapon or you know something. You know, even if it meant like you know, if she was the final girl of the movie, she would have been at least even taking her own clothes and like using like them as like a way to like you know push that over like the killer's face or something, you know, he's already got a mask on to begin with. So his vision's limited and then maybe like try to skirt by him or something, you know, but she, she's just like, I'm going to run the fuck out of here. And it's like, that never works. Yeah. Ever, well, she turned her know. back too from the fucking door and it's like, bitch, you, you're looking, I get you're trying to look behind you, but you have an, oh, behind you, you got less space. But when your back's against or facing the door, you got all of whatever's in that room that you haven't even looked into yet. Oh, my God. I don't know. Yeah, you're, it is the dumbest. Uh, anything else you want to discuss about this movie before we get out of here? I, I just, again, to reiterate, I was pleasantly surprised. This is, I, I, I wished I hadn't skipped this movie for all these years. Yeah, you know, this is like, crap. I definitely slept on this film, um, which is uh, regrets, total regrets. Uh, obviously, again, I will reiterate my favorites, the Valentine cards. That was fucking, I loved those so much. And again, I Googled, I'm trying to find them. Nobody has been smart enough to recreate those or even something similar inspired by the film to bank on. And there are tons of horror Valentines out there. It's like yeah. you didn't think to, like, this is a sleeper film because I think way too many people slept on this film. 
Yeah, it, it came out at just the wrong time. It was like, you know, people were feeling scream fatigue and it, it and it was at a time whenever it was, you know, pretty at pretty much its highest. I mean, yeah. so I'm glad I found uh, it now. Like I said, this is a slash for me. Uh do not pass on this film. Uh absolutely worth it. It holds up very well. Um I mean, it, it, and if you're an elder emo like us and, you know, you like the horror genre, I think uh, it's a good nostalgic flashback to that time frame, you know? It, it It's a good time capsule for the time period. I mean, even Marley Shelton says that going back. She said it was so 90s, yeah. like, like 90s, and it is. And um, it, it it's also one of those, I mean, there's not a whole lot, I mean, as we will get into in the next episode, there's not a whole lot of Valentine's Day horror films. I mean, there's a few more in recent years, but uh, I, I feel like, you know, especially if you're looking for something around this time period, and I mean, horror's always been linked to like, you know, people going on dates and stuff like that, because what better way, you know, like sex and you know yeah. like the, and fear i mean they they do play on the same stuff as weird as that is uh it's it's a good one to watch you know with a you know somebody who's you know a, a, as long as they're you know into that sort of thing at least so. yeah so highly recommend this film for sure 100 percent um join us next episode for our discussion of mighty bloody valentine the original and the remake And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit.